Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Hi, welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, joined by the mayor, Jeff Burton, here on the Monday after the Nashville Super Speedway race that kicked off the 2022 NASCAR and NBC schedule. Jeff, a lot to talk about, a long day at Nashville Super Speedway. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, NASCAR and NBC openers <laughs> seem to be affected by rain on an annual basis. Yeah. But we still got a really compelling, interesting race, good racing throughout, uh, despite the two delays for three hours. So I want to start with how Chase Elliott won this race. And I think it comes down to two restarts and probably neither one being the one that most people were talking about. Obviously, most people were talking about the last restart where several cars pitted and kind of jumbled the order and, and Chase Elliott held off Kurt Busch and wins his second race of the season. But I want to focus on the two restarts before that. And we'll start with the first being the second to last restart of the race. Chase Elliott led the last 39 laps after taking the lead from Kyle Busch on a lap 262 restart. Chase did it from the inside lane after Kyle had chosen the outside. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Chase with about 40 to go on that restart with the 18. You were on the inside. He chose the outside. Can you take me through that and what worked for you at that point? Yeah, the 18 did it to the 19, you know, a restart prior to that. So I felt like the opportunity was there uh, to do it. You know, if the circumstances go your way, unfortunately they they did. So, um, you know, once we got the lead there, it was just trying to control you control my gap to him, run my race, manage my tires the best I could, and not lose the lead. What did you make of that second-to-last restart? Because you, you talk all the time about how important restarts are, and it's not always the last one, and it seemed like that one was critical. It was critical because it as the track cooled down, I felt like Chase Elliott and Alan Gustin, those guys did a better job of keeping up with the track or getting ahead of the track. Uh, that was the, the best they were was at winning time. Uh, but Chase Elliott had to go get it done. So on that next-to-last restart, it's a tough choice there. Like on almost every track that size, you want to go to the top. Uh, and one of the reasons that has been a selection to go to the top, I really believe is still the mentality of the old car. Because with the old car, you could get on the outside of somebody and have so much momentum, it would suck the air away from them, they lose grip. This car doesn't do that. Hmm. And so I think that drivers are going to have to really start pushing themselves a little bit to think more like we used to and what's the shortest way around the racetrack. 
I'm not saying that Kyle Busch chose wrong. I'm just saying that there are some things that you have to think differently because of this car. Uh, Chase and Kyle had a great race right there, and and Chase just you know had a little better car, was able to to make more grip and, and get by him. But again, that that it was a I, I'm not saying Kyle made the wrong choice. Ultimately, it was because it didn't work. But it may have been the same result had Kyle picked the bottom. But I do think it's going to push drivers to think a little differently hmm. with this car. That's interesting. We heard from Chase saying that he had seen Kyle Busch do it to Truex the restart prior. So maybe it is something that drivers are still kind of working their way through here midway through the first season of Next Gen. Chase closing out this race, though, the way that he did, Jeff, you know, we, we've heard or, you know, we haven't heard it. We were sort of complicit in it. The knock on Chase his first few years in the Cup Series was, when is this guy going to close out races? And now he closes it out against a two-time champion, one of the best drivers in NASCAR history, and Kyle Busch. Yeah, listen, Chase Elliott is a really, really good race car driver, still a really young, still has given up some experience to a guy like Kyle Busch. You know, when those moments present themselves, it's so important to find a way to execute on them because you really don't get that many chances compared to every other sport in the world, right, except for maybe golf. You really don't get that many chances to win races. And so those people that can find a way uh, in those key moments, those are the ones that are our champions and win a lot of races. And they just kind of, I don't know how to say it other than they will themselves to some of those wins. They just find a way to make it happen. And Chase on the bottom right there racing against against Kyle, it's, you know, two of the very best in our business going at it, and Chase found a way. And I, I also, I know you want to talk about the the restart. Prior to that. Yeah, prior to that. Yep. You know, listening to post-race comments by crew chief Alan, Alan Gustin, he said that the third from the end restart was when he thought they were going to win the race. Yep. Because Chase was able to go, I think, from 16th to 6th or 14th Four, to 6th. 14th and 6th in one lap. Which is what Kyle Busch needed to make happen. After he pitted, he restarted 12th. He had to make a move like Chase Elliott was able to make uh, and just couldn't do it. So that's when Allen said, hey, we're gonna win. this race is ours. We're going to win this race. So you just got the track position. We got ourselves where we need to be. And it just shows you, like, you never know. You know, when you're watching these races, you never know when the race winning move happened. It could have been 50 laps ago when something happened and 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 – in this case, it was a series of restarts that Chase Elliott was able to execute on and, and get track position with what turned out to be the best car at that time of day. And Chase Elliott also had the advantage of that restart happened on lap 210, so he still had 90 laps, and the restart you're talking about with Kyle, that came with four laps to go. Yeah, and Kyle didn't make any spots. Yeah. You know, that was that was the problem with Kyle, is that when he, you know, he drove into turn one, he knew what he had to do. He knew he had to go to the top and... You know, the sea had to kind of part for him, and it got four wide in front of him. He was done. There was no, nothing. Was, yeah. As soon as they drove into turn one and they were four wide in front of Kyle, <laughs> game over. You know yeah. he's not. There's no way he's going to win. Uh, he might could claw out a better finish, but there was no way he could win. So, as I mentioned, there were two restarts. You touched on it. One of them was that second restart we just talked about on lap 210, the third to last restart, where Chase goes from 14th to 6th in one lap. With some fairly aggressive maneuvers, and I asked both Chase and Alan Gustafson about this after the race. Gustafson said, as, as you just said, Jeff, Gustafson said, I felt like that, that was kind of the moment in the race where I was like, all right, we, we, we should win this race. Ultimately, uh, I didn't feel like we were going to pass the 19, sorry, 18 and 19 at the time on equal ground. So I wanted to get off sequence with them there. 
And when I did, not as many people pit as I had hoped, so we were a little bit further back, and he got back to, you know, what you're referencing, you know, fourth or fifth in no time. And I was like, this gives us a huge advantage, you know. And I think he's a testament to how good the 19 was. It just really took us a long time to pass him, but then certainly we got past him and were able to track Kyle down pretty quick order there. So, yeah, that was a big deal. Uh, restarts typically on our forte and our strength, and, and Chase did an amazing job with that, and, and that was – really the first kind of indication. I knew we were getting better. You just don't know how good you are because we weren't really in the best track position, and that was the first indication. I was like, all right, this thing's pretty good. Chase isn't conservative, but he's not really known for that kind of aggression. Yeah, did, did that take your breath away a little bit? Yeah, no, it just fires you up. You're like, all right, here we go. And like you said, you know, he's not conservative at all, but he's just a guy, you know, he's a very calculated driver and doesn't put himself in bad positions. So when I knew he had that much confidence in the car, then I knew it was that good. But what's interesting is Chase, in his low-key kind of style, downplayed the whole thing and said... No. Yeah, I know, right? No. Chase said... The restart thing, like, uh, you put anybody in the right situation and, and you can look like a hero, right? I don't think there's anything special I did. Um, you know, you can take a car that isn't balanced as well uh, as what our, ours was tonight and have the right lane choice and the right guys get bottled up at the right time and you pass three or four of them you know um so I don't necessarily think that was the turning point for me I feel like it was more just a balanced thing and feeling like we were we had got it really close um and then from there just trying to execute and you know have good restarts up front and have good pit stops you can give yourself some credit though look like a video game type move it was well it worked out I mean they got yeah I mean I feel like a lot of guys do that you know when when people get bottled up uh, off the corner and you have a head of steam and I mean the lanes just kind of opened up for me so it wasn't anything spectacular on my end I didn't think this kind of went where the where the options were so you know I compared this move to a video game move Jeff Burton your former driver I would take a chase as being a little bit modest here <laughs> this was this is not something anybody could just do so chase is taken for granted his ability and desire to make that move work mm-hmm not everybody drives into turn one on full aggression mode and has the ability uh, and the car to make it happen. Some people drive into turn one on a restart playing defense. Some people drive into turn one with a different mindset. Now, he is right in the sense that some things did have to go his way to pick up that many spots. There had to be a lane to go in. There yeah. had to, you know, two guys got side by side and didn't have good momentum. He's right about all that. But. It's funny how some people find a way to make those things happen more often than others. Yeah. And and uh, you really see it mid-pack. You really, if you start watching the racing back in the mid-pack, there's some guys that find a way to go two or three laps and pick up spots, and it takes 30 or 40 for people behind them to ever get back by them. And... You get guys like that to get a series of cautions, and all of a sudden you look up and they're running tenth. And yeah, and yeah. you really, if you watch the race in mid pack, you really see how important restarts are, uh, and how people can get track position and just use that to their advantage. So much so. And we've seen it. You know, there's that famous restart that Kurt Busch had at Atlanta several years ago. I think he went like eighth to second. We've seen it from Kyle Busch, but. We don't always think of like Chase Elliott as being in that kind of style. And I, I frame the question to Alan Gustafson that way that I think, I don't want to say Chase is conservative, but he's a little bit more calculating. Yeah. And so was this out of character or is it just sort of like seizing the opportunity that was presented to himself? I think that this year everyone's had to get out of character. 
I think that if you're going to be successful with this car, uh, Ryan Blaney spun out all by himself. Kyle Busch in qualifying spun out all by himself. I, I You have to get out of character a little bit. You have to push really hard with this car. And that goes for restarts. That goes for every lap. And so I think of Chase Elliott as a very smart race car driver, not the most aggressive driver, but dri aggressive enough. He's aggressive enough to win races. Um, so I wouldn't say out of character, but certainly certainly on the aggressive side. Maybe uh, more impressive than Chase Elliott's moves to win this race was that he did it by outdueling Joe Gibbs Racing, which just seemed all to of them. command all of them. So here, here's a stat. Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr. combined to lead 250 of the 300 laps Sunday. But ultimately, they were just all doomed by what happened in the pits. And it was not just a Joe Gibbs racing problem, but it's a Toyota problem. I mean, we saw it for Bubba Wallace got hurt as well. But certainly Denny Hamlin, who led the most laps, led 114 laps, he got hurt as well. What's going on with pit stops with JGR and Toyota with, with Bubba and Denny getting affected? You know, like the, the Bubba ones are big, not just lose three or four spots. It, it's like catastrophic pit stops. Um, you know, that team would be better off just to slow down just a touch. Like, I know it's not okay to lose two spots, but it's really not okay to lose a lap. Mm -hmm. And that team would be better off just, okay, you know, we need we need to just get this job done. I say that, you know, and at the same time, I defend drivers at speed on pit road because you have to be pushing the edges if you're going to be successful. The problem with Bubba's pit crew is that, you know, the, when the mistakes are big, they're really big. And it's happened so many times. Yeah. And, and I just think they'd be better served to just take that extra quarter, half a second to make sure. Like, we see it. We saw it with Busher's pit crew. They are not – the jack man is not looking. He does not have enough time to look to see if everybody's done with their job. They are just assuming and dropping the jack. In multiple cases this year – that's what's happened, is that Jackman has a cadence. He's dropping it, not even checking to make sure that things are done. And if when it's not done, it's a bad issue with the single lug nut. Denny's situation, to me, looked almost like a suspension issue, like a setup issue with the car, meaning the right front tire wouldn't come out of the fender. The, the guy's pulling the wheel, you know, mm -hmm. and it takes a minute for it to come off, and a second and a half is massive in how many spots you lose. So here's Denny Hamlin, the, the car owner of Bubba Wallace that continually is getting hurt on pit road, driving for Joe Gibbs, continually hurt on pit road, and they're Joe Gibbs pit stops. And the frustration level is high. I will say this, it's hard to have that many good pit crews. I think the 18 pit crew is one of the best on pit road. Uh, and, and I didn't think that Truex's pit crew had a bad night. No, not as bad. I mean, Truex and Bush, Kyle Bush obviously was upset they took two tires instead of four. That was what kind of cost them in the pits on that last restart. And then Truex. Well, the fact they were on pit road. <laughs> yeah, even on. Well, and that, that was the thing with Truex, like where, where uh, James Small, Truex's crew chief, told Dustin Long. So how did the, the, the decision to pit call? Is it just opposite the leader? I mean, no, we were meant to stay out, and he pitted. Oh, you meant to? Okay. Yeah, but uh, he, yeah, whatever. So okay. it happens, but, uh, but um, yeah, anyway. So. And Truex misunderstood it and came and pitted. No. And 
put himself oh, in a bad way. I didn't way. know that. Yeah. Yeah, like like but you know, that the strategy things happen and but you think about it like this. With the new single lug nut, and you can't separate these two things. Here's Joe Gibbs racing. So they have their teams and their supply and pit crews to 2311. That's a lot of people. Yeah. That's a lot of good pit crews. On top of that, they are not using cup guys to pit their Xfinity teams. That's a lot of people. And when you have to put that many... So you're talking at least three dozen people. You, you have to build <laughs> that many teams yeah. and, at, and expect that they're all going to be up here is pretty hard with to this do. completely new system it's pretty hard to do. yeah matter of fact if you're expecting that every one of your teams is going to be in the top 10 then that's an unrealistic expectation because you're not the only one hiring people Penske needs good pit stops too Hendrick needs good pit stops too so you have this c- competitive nature amongst the teams trying to hire the best people to the point where now, you know, there's so much development within teams, out recruiting former football players, former athletes, trying to teach them how to do this so they're yours, right? You you raise them up and they're yours. You're not out on the free market competing for a guy that's already ready. You're trying to raise him up. That's become more difficult because where do they get practice? Where in the past you could take – a team, and you could put them together. You could put them in the Xfinity Series. You could yeah. put them in the Truck Series. And it's the same hubs. It's the same jack. It's yeah. the same cadence. And now nothing as, translates. And now nothing <laughs> translates. So yeah. how do you take and develop a young guy yep. to be an A guy when he can't practice it? Yeah. And so it's a major challenge. Now, Gibbs is feeling the brunt of it, but it's happening to everybody. Yeah. Gibbs is feeling the brunt of it because it's two very, very, very popular drivers that are running well. And when you're running 20th, you have bad pit stops. Nobody knows it. Nobody knows it. When you're running in the front, you have bad pit stops. Everybody knows it. And you've been saying this all year, and you said it on the broadcast again last night, that you thought, like I think a lot of us thought, I certainly thought, that with single lug, pit stops might be de-emphasized a little bit when actually they've gotten more important. Yep. They're maybe more important than they've been like in the last 20 years right now. Uh, can you expand on that? I mean, the, uh, is, this, is this, I mean, I know every track house is like the big narrative of the 2022 season, but maybe this is right there with it. This right? is big. And it, it's, I, I think what I really liked about the animation that we had last night that Steve Letarte, uh did such a good job of walking everybody through is there's been so much attention on the parts and pieces as if they're the problem. Now, they have presented a challenge. But if you get it right, it's right. If you get it wrong, it's wrong, and it's unrecoverable. With a, with a five-lug-nut system, if you miss one, so what? You can roll on. I mean, trust me, they were racing with <laughs> two-lug-nuts a lot right? prior to penalties. Right, right. And, but you can't do that with this. And so if you, when you watch these pit stops, they have to be fast. And if they're not, and, and the jack men are being trained to just go off a cadence as opposed to, you know, are you good? Are you good? Are you good? And then drop and then go. And it is a human problem that has gotten created because of a part change. It's not the other way around. The parts and pieces work. Wheels don't fall off in practice. They fall off in the race after someone tried to do a fast pit stop. I'm sympathetic to the teams because if you're going to have – those super, super fast pit stops, you're going to be flirting with disaster because you can't, the jack man can't be doing this. Yeah. Rodney Childers said last week, 
that he multiple times this year could see it wasn't tight and stopped Harvick on before he left the box. Stop, 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 stop. That he physically knew that they weren't tight. Well, clearly they were left sides. Can't see the right side. So that's how quick things are going. Listen, I'm glad. I'm glad and surprised that the human element is still important on pit road. It's supposed to be important. It's always been a huge part of our sport and needs to be a part of our sport. I was terrified that the single lug nut was going to take the skill out of it. And I think it would if we did pit stops like every other series where the the crew members are already over the wall, waiting in position. Somebody's on every wheel. We wouldn't be having these problems. Yep. But the fact that we are moving around the car, that's what's caused the issue. And we have, and you know, clearly it's a competition. But if we just went around and they were waiting, you know, like an F1 pit stop, you know, that's not how we're doing it. Right. Yeah. IndyCar, I hope we never do it. Like no, that. I, I, well, I don't think you can. First of all, it'd just be IndyCar and F1 obviously are completely different in terms of number of cars in yeah, the field cars, and, and, yeah. the, and the pits. And yeah, you're talking about one guy in every wheel and the pneumatic jack, total game changers that we're probably not going to see in NASCAR. And probably, I guess we just didn't really consider like it would have this sort of impact. I'm glad you brought up Steve Letart and his explanation during the race. I would encourage everybody to go to the NASCAR NBC Twitter account. You can find this animation and explanation of Steve Letart that we ran after the 17 Chris Busher became the latest driver to be victimized by having a loose wheel means a four race suspension for his crew chief. And I just want to revisit real quick, Jeff, on what you were saying about Bubba and slowing down. Is it essentially just if you just give up like, I don't know, a few tenths of a second so that the wheel is still in the air. It's when the wheel hits the ground and they're still on the jack. That's where the problem is. Well, there's, right? there could be multiple issues. You could you could have over tightened it. Yeah. The stop before, and so now it takes longer for the the, the for it to come off. There's a couple things that could happen to uh, negatively impact, but but the majority of problems that I see, catastrophic problems, are that the jackman isn't checking to see that everyone's done. Mm-hmm. He's dropping the jack on a cadence, rather almost like uh, an offensive line that snaps the ball and starts moving a certain way to create a blocking scenario, and somebody's fumbled the ball and nobody knows it, and everybody's still moving this way and the ball's on the ground. If the jack man doesn't look, he can't know there's a problem. And so once the car gets out of the air and it's on the ground and that lug has not been tightened it probably won't get tightened because it has to pull it. It has to seat into those pins. And how's it going to do that? Everything had, I mean, so it has to get tight while it's in the air. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that every scenario with the car on the ground and the wheel's not tight will be a problem, but we certainly know that there's some scenarios that does not work well. And, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, this has been, this is not a new problem for Toyota and JGR. Like, David Wilson, head of Toyota Racing Development, has been talking about this for a month. I talked to him before the race at Nashville, and he's saying, we've addressed this. We're working on fixing this. Does this remain, I mean, take me in the debrief this week with Toyota and JGR in 2311. Is this priority number one right now for them? It's pretty high up there. I <laughs> yeah. mean, it's the frustration level from David Wilson from your interview was pretty high. He And he actually talked about, you know, how Martin, you know, one of the things about Martin Truex and his decision of whether to come back, and thank goodness he's coming back, uh, I think that's great for the sport. And I think it's great for Joe Gibbs Racing for Martin Truex to come back and Toyota. Uh, one of the things that David in, in your interview said was that 
part of his uh, problems is he wasn't having fun. Like, right. and they weren't putting him in positions that they needed to. I thought that they did okay on Sunday night. That wasn't that team's issue. Uh, but Bubba is clearly, based on his radio communication, clearly, you know, had enough. And and listen, I don't think – I also don't think that you can um, – you can't fix it quickly. Like, we just talked about the challenges that have gone into building that many pit crews. Well, that's your best guys. Yeah. There may be some people that you can move around because there are times – and we saw it with Harvick this week. Like, he had really good pit stops after some changes. There are times that you need to match people together. So, as silly as this sounds, if you have a really fast jackman with a tire changer that's not so great, that's really not a great pairing. You're better off finding, clearly, a, a faster tire changer. But if that's not in your scenario, you're better off with a little slower jack guy. Hmm. So that they're all working in the same tempo. So in some cases, as silly as it sounds, it's what's important is to match everybody together at the right tempo. And even though collectively on their best stop they're slower than this team, statistically on average they're gonna they might net out okay. And so matching people together is really important. And short of that, how do you fix Bubba Wallace's problem other than saying, "Hey guys, just." Let's Slow down a little bit. have <laughs> solid pit stops. Yeah. But that's not how they're trained. That's like telling a driver, you know what, let's just go out and make sure we don't wreck. Let's just make sure we don't wreck. How fast is that guy going to go? Right. Probably not very fast. Right. You don't want to psych him out. So it's just going to be process-oriented. It's like learning the car. Like the teams are learning the car. The pit crews have to learn the pit stops, and it's incremental, and it's just – so it's going to take reps, and they can't get reps, like you said. You can't get those reps under pressure because the Xfinity yeah. Series doesn't have that you training. Have, you do have to remember, I think it's important as a driver to remember, that they put up with your mistakes too. And I do believe that when you're a race car driver and you get in that seat and you're in that car and you're all by yourself, you know how important your team is. You know how important the people are. You know it. But at the same time, you're out there all by yourself. You're the only one that goes to the infield care center. You're the only one they put in the rescue squad to go to the hospital. And although it's a team sport, it's really easy when you're the one in that cockpit, you're the one in there burning up, you're the one in there dealing with the things that are keeping you from being successful, it's easy to become singular thinking. It's easy to say, come on, guys, you're killing me. You always got to go back and remember the times you killed them. <laughs> the times that you, right, didn't do your job. And it, it's, it's hard to do because of the environment. You know, no other sport, no other sport that I'm aware of, major sport, does the athlete, become in an environment where he's by himself. Yeah. It's, it is a team sport. I'm not dismissing that at all. But emotionally, you, when you sit in that seat, everybody is on your shoulders. You're the guy that touches the ball every single play. 
That's part of why you hear these blow-ups on a radio from drivers. Yeah. Well, that leads me exactly into what I want to ask you about with Bubba, because Bubba comes in after practice Friday. He's had a great practice. Mm-hmm. He's fastest. He's yeah. talking about, like, he had a great off week. He's in a new frame of mind. He's going to be less sarcastic, less negative, <laughs> <laughs> which 48 hours later, obviously, this is uh, seen in a completely new light. He has the bad pit stops. He's telling his crew chief, Booty Barker, don't talk to me. He's using rather vulgar language, telling his team how displeased he is. Leave me the f- alone, dude. Don't talk to me the whole f- race. I am, and we're not out on it. Keep doing what you're doing, but we'll keep back. I know you're pissed. You deserve to be. But at the same time, this is also the driver who Saturday in qualifying did not do so well. So is that kind of how the team and the driver maybe get past that this week? Is like, hey, you were really tough on us Sunday, but think about what happened Saturday in qualifying when, you know, frankly, he kind of blew it a little bit, right? I mean, is that kind of how the team and driver dynamic works there? So I don't think you can dismiss this. So Kurt Busch is seventh in points, a race win. And Bubba Wallace is 24th in points. And he has uh, one playoff point. So Bubba's being outperformed in the same equipment. And Bubba is not happy with that. And damn well shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. I think that Bubba should take a step back and recognize that he's comparing himself to a Hall of Famer. It's the first opportunity he's ever had in his career to really compare himself to a teammate. That's a really good point because he was by himself at the 43 and last year as well. And we've all, well, most all of us mortals (laughs) have been in scenarios where you are not as performing as well as your teammate. It's happened to Jimmy Johnson. It's happened to Jeff Gordon. It's happened to Tony Stewart. Go down the list of Hall of Famers. It's happened to Mark Martin. It's happened... Go down the list of a Hall of Famers. And it doesn't mean you're inferior. What it means is that there's a process. And Bubba... He's gotten to the point in his career where he's raced enough. He feels like, damn it, I'm good enough. I can win races. I love his confidence. But it is, for any of us, it is difficult to take when you are 24th in points and your teammate is 7th. Yeah. Yeah. It's a difficult scenario. And then one of the things that is clearly holding Bubba back is the pit crew. That's not fabricated. Mm -hmm. That's not made up. It's real. It has to get fixed. And part of his frustration, I'm sure, is recognizing how are they going to fix it. And so there's a lot of things going on there. And there's a pressure there. Driving from Michael Jordan, we know all the controversy that, that, that happened, all the things that were directed to Bubba Wallace. He has a tremendous amount of pressure on him. He is a fierce competitor, a skilled race car driver, and he wants to be winning races on a consistent basis. He wants to be where Kurt Busch is, and one of the things that's keeping him back is the pit crew. And he feels like, internally, he's a human being, that we got to get going, man. Yep. Like, I'm being judged today. Yep. I, my opportunities for... The year after and the year after are right now being made right now today. And that's an intensity that you 
that is real. So I don't, I don't, when I listen to Bubba Wallace on the radio, it's a bit over the top, but I understand why. Yeah. I understand emotionally what he's going through. I've been in that situation. I've been where he is. And you're constantly being judged. I've never had the pressure that he has on him. I never experienced anything like he experienced. That's a lot for anybody to take on. And all eyes are on him all the time. All eyes are on him all the time. And so a guy like that is probably going to bowl over a little bit more than a guy like me. My pre- a lot of my pressures were internal. He has some external pressures that I never came close to dealing with. Yeah. And those are real things. And don't no one should dismiss it. They're real things. And his pit crew has been bad. They've been bad. They got to fix it. Yeah, he's not the only one feeling that pressure because we're talking about this with nine races left in the regular season. Uh, you've got the points in front of you there, and I just want to get your take on how this race impacted things. Chase Elliott builds his points cushion a little bit. He's looking good now for that regular season title, you know, 30 points ahead of Ross Chastain. I know that's not a ton, but he's positioned well. He's got 13 playoff points tied with Chastain and Byron for the most. And again, like there's not a lot of separation there, but what are you seeing from the championship <laughs> picture? I mean, it's still, it's still impossible to really judge, right? Well, I, listen, I think we're starting to see Hendrick Motorsports consistently running in front. We've yeah. seen it already. I saw a little crack in the armor, you know, typical how it goes. You know, we all start pumping up track house every week, every week, every week. And I didn't see the speed from the 99 this week. They weren't as good. I can't figure Penske out. They're, they're one week they look like gangbusters. The next week they really struggle. Harvick is still confusing to me. I saw Rodney Childers Saturday uh, or uh, Sunday not Monday morning. I saw Rodney Childers, and I said, "Man, Friday, I thought y'all couldn't run 30th." <laughs> and you know, all of a sudden yeah. they had a good night. Uh, they had a good point night. Yeah. But the bottom line is this: Truex, Blaney, Bell, Harvick, Amarola, Reddick, Dylan. It's a dogfight. Look at the races we got coming up. We haven't even talked about that. Yeah, there's a lot of X Factor races looming here. <laughs> there's a lot of X Factor races. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we got a road course coming. We got Atlanta. Yep. I mean, we got two. Essentially, we have two plate races. What uh, we don't call them plate. What do we call them? Super, Super speedway speedways, races. I guess. So yeah. we got two of those. Yeah. Like it's it's a crazy schedule, and they're they're all Blaney is 112 points to the good, unless he has catastrophic problems. He's okay. But it's 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 going to be a dogfight. It's going to be it's going to be fun for us to watch, and they're going to hate every minute of it. Yeah, no doubt. What's bad for them is always good for us. We'll just we'll wrap up here. Then you mentioned road courses coming up first next week. We've got Road America. Last year, Chase Elliott started 34th and won the race after starting 44th. So he goes in with some momentum coming off the Nashville win. Well, he's one of our best road racers. There's no no doubt about that. And and uh, he will be he will be somebody to be you know to deal with. Suarez just came off winning Sonoma. Chastain won. Circuit of the Americas. Well, I tell you who I'm interested to watch at, at uh, Road America is Gibbs. As bad as they ran at Sonoma. <laughs> the worst race in 15 years. Oh, my God. For like Toyota. I, I, I talked to Martin Truex last week, and I said, Martin, I, I went to Sonoma, and I, I went up to the highest hill I could get on and could see pretty much the whole <laughs> racetrack. I said, I've never in my life seen you run like that on a road course. He's like, Jeff, it was absolutely horrible. Yeah. Horrible. And what can they do to right that ship? 
because they weren't in the ballpark. And I'm really fascinated to see uh, what what Joe Gibbs racing because we're you know this weekend clearly led all those laps like you talked about. Can they figure out what what in the hell happened? At yeah. the road course at, at Sonoma and turn that around going going to Road America. Yeah, they went down a really bad path, obviously <laughs> at Sonoma. That was not the right. That was not no. the right idea. It, you know what's interesting to me about that too is um, I, I asked Martin, "How can you be that far off?" Right, right. I mean, you're the best team in well, two, one of the best teams. Well, in two years ago, we're like yeah. Martin Truex is the best road racer, period. And then Chase Elliott challenged him and maybe super, you know took that over, but still. And he's like, Jeff, we're still totally out the lunch. We're still <laughs> guessing. Like we have all this simulation and all these tools, but we're still guessing and kind of hoping and playing pin the tail on the donkey. Like, ah, <laughs> uh, there it is. You know, like that's yeah. still in 2022 in June. That's still what the teams are doing. Is still guessing on what they're going to need to be successful. It's fascinating to watch. It's 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 amazing to me. That in June, we're still having this conversation about teams having no idea, not even a sense of, I think when we go here, this is what's going to happen. They're all still like, ah, uh, I think. It's it's really, really fun to watch. It is crazy. Race 18, Road America. We'll be watching it on NBC Sports. Jeff, thanks for being here. I always enjoy it. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. We appreciate Jeff Burton for joining us on the NASCAR and NBC podcast. That was coming off a long Sunday at Nashville Super Speedway. So big thanks to the mayor for still making time to come in early ahead of NASCAR America Motormouths in the Charlotte studio to tape the podcast with me. Thanks as well to NASCAR NBC producers Emily Conboy and Aaron Feldstein for coordinating things as always. A reminder that we also tape this podcast on camera ahead of NASCAR America in our NBC Sports Charlotte studio. As noted, Motormouths airs Mondays and Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern on Peacock, and all the Motormouths episodes and clips are on the Motorsports on NBC YouTube channel. You can also find lots more great content and highlights there daily, as well as the on-camera version of this podcast. So make sure you visit and subscribe to the Motorsports on NBC YouTube channel. As noted, NASCAR is in Road America this weekend, You can catch the Cup Race broadcast starting at 3 p.m. Eastern on the USA Network. If you have any NASCAR NBC podcast feedback, you can send to me on Twitter. At Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR on NBC podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. 
That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.